This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the Coast and Country download from the BBC. You can find the terms and conditions on our website at www.bbc.co.uk forward slash radio 4. Today you can hear Open Country with me, Helen Mark. I'm on a very windy rural peninsula, Hoylake actually, which is in the southwest corner. Now this is a landscape which is renowned for its golf courses, not least the Royal Liverpool, which hosted the British Open in 2006 and again in 2014. That's when Rory McIlroy won. Yes. And it's golf that's brought me here for this week's Open Country. Not to play, I hasten to add, but because a new golf resort has been proposed for here. And it's a development that's attracted a lot of local interest because it will be built on Greenbelt land. I've come down to the edge of the Hoylake Municipal Golf Course and I'm with Jerry Ellis, who's a councillor with Wirral, Borough Council. Looking out across this landscape, Jerry, what is proposed in terms of this new golf resort? Well, the whole area would be transformed. There would be a new um, championship golf course. The municipal course that we're looking at at the moment would be moved to a nearby site. There'd be a five-star hotel with an academy and shops and all sorts of other things going with it. And this municipal course, which has you know, been played on by people for, you know, just from the area for many, many years, what would happen to it? Well, it will move. It will move to a new site. And on this site here that we're looking at now, there'd be the housing, uh, 100 or more. Now, the situation is that this was proposed several years ago and has taken a big step forward because it's been taken up by the Jack Nicklaus group. They're going to take it on. When this proposal was first put forward, what were your thoughts, Jerry? Well, we were all thrilled and delighted when, about seven or eight years ago, the special project manager of the council came up with the idea. We thought it would bring work to the area, it would bring more leisure to what is known as the Leisure Peninsula, and I was disappointed when it fizzled out. And then when it reappeared three or four years ago, I was 100% in favour of it. Now I'm beginning to have very serious doubts about it. And outline for me, if you would, Jerry, what those doubts are based on. Well, to start with, I think it's going to be very difficult to win the government office over to let the green belt land be reallocated for housing. Also, to the other problem with the land is the, that it, lots, it floods at the moment, often, and massive amount of money is going to have to be spent to make sure it doesn't flood when it's a golf course. So there's big costs running up. How's he doing Friday? What? I've come to meet David Stacey, who actually learnt, you learnt to play on this wee course, did you, David? Yes. Right. A long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I started here in 1963. So you have a personal attachment to this, this old course, this yes. little course here at Hoy Lake. Yes which will be cleared away if the proposal goes yeah, ahead. Which I mean, is a shame on one hand, but mm. I believe in you've got to move forward and uh, sometimes changes have to be made. But what about the green belt and the potential well, for flooding and the wildlife and I, all the things that we've that. heard? I accept that. What worries me is the amount of money that we'd have to put into this place 
right, to develop it with, as you said, the flooding, the green belt and the encroachment that will happen. So as a golfer, just sum up for me, how do you feel about the proposal for this brand new golf resort here? I would like to see it. I would like to see something new in the area, you know, because Jack Nicholas carries a lot of clout, you know, in, in design and golf. And I've played on a couple of Jack Nicholas courses and he likes features. He likes to uh, see people up on hills and playing down onto postage stamp type greens. A real challenge, to be honest, I haven't seen the design, but I, I would like to see what, he, you know, what they're going to do. But I feel there's a wee butt in there. You don't know until it's been built how it affects, but I'd like to see it. And uh, yeah, positively, I'd like to go for it. I've come through Hoy Lake and I'm on the edge of a housing estate and I'm looking out across, uh, it's pretty rough land, it's scrubby, there's been a lot of rubbish tipped here, but however, this is part of the green belt on the edge of Hoy Lake. And I've come here because I want to meet Andrew Needham, who's the chair of the Cheshire branch of the Campaign for the Protection of Rural England, CPRE. So there's a laneway here, I'm, I'm gonna go down to meet him. Andrew, you and I have walked along the lane and it has now opened out into a broad green plain. Right. So, obviously, green belt. Just explain it's, for me, though. It's not obviously green belt. Oh. A lot of people think all green fields are green belts. They're not. Only a very small proportion of green fields are green belt. So explain green belt to me then, Andrew. Green belts were defined in the post-war years and they cover areas around London, in Cheshire, around Manchester and Liverpool, and they've been very successful in stopping the unrestricted sprawl of built-up areas and to prevent neighbouring towns merging into one another. So, can Greenbelt be built upon? Yes. If a council gives planning application for something which is in the Greenbelt, and then it has to be referred to the Secretary of State, or, in fact, it goes to a civil servant in Birmingham who looks at it, and he has to decide whether or not the circumstances are sufficiently special or sufficiently exceptional. And what qualifies, then? The trouble is, this isn't properly defined. So, unfortunately, this is one of those grey areas which CPRE are pressing for the government to be more precise about. And where does a golf resort fit into that? Well, now, a golf resort is acceptable within the green belt because it doesn't impact upon the openness. So that can be acceptable yes. across the country anywhere. Yes. But what about here on the green belt around Hoylake on the Wirral? Yes. In the green belt, a golf resort here in the green belt would be permitted. But what is much more controversial is the clubhouse, the hotel and 100 houses. Mm. So what steps would a developer have to take then to allow it to become a golf resort? Well, the first of all, the Wirral Council would have to put in their local plan that they intend this land to be designated for that purpose. And that would have to go through a process of consultation and a ruling by an inspector. And finally, confirmation by the Secretary of State. So it's, the initiative is really with the Wirral Council because they won't be able to attract an inward investor unless even if it's Jack Nicklaus, he won't be interested unless it is clearly set out in the plan that it is their intention for this to happen.
I've come to West Kirby, which is about a mile or so from Hoylake, and I'm now um, looking uh, down a street here in the town, out towards the mouth of the Dee estuary, and then as it flows out into the Irish Sea. Now, it is particularly inclement at the moment, so what I'm going to do is actually take shelter inside here with John Hutchinson, who is the chair of the Hoylake Golf Resort Committee, and they have been set the task of putting forward the views of the local communities and the businesses to the council. So I'm just going. John. Hello, hello. come Hi. on in. Nice to meet you. You're Hi. welcome. Oh, glad to get in. It's cold. <gasps> For the last two years, I've been studying, looking, researching the golf resort. So on the 29th of March this year, I organised, hosted, a public meeting and told the public meeting what I had found out. And what was the general reaction then to the proposal for the new resort? Totally and utterly against. There were uh, rather more than a hundred people at that meeting, mainly from West Kirby, and they were totally and utterly against. Based on what? Based on building on Greenbelt. Also, we had heard by then, because in the autumn of 2015, we learnt that the developer wanted to put houses on the Greenbelt, and so that was a total no-no. So housing was a concern. Mm -hmm. What else were you finding that local people were saying about the proposal? The area is internationally noted for its biodiversity. And it is also used by the wading birds that come off the Dee estuary and off the Irish Sea onto that land to rest, to roost and to feed. And it is the last remaining part of the Wirral where, for example, you can find curlew and hedge sparrow could I just read you a statement, John, because we got this from Wirral Council. Um, they didn't want to put anybody forward directly for the programme, but they said, Proposals for a golf course at Hoylake are at an early technical stage. Throughout the process to date, the Council has engaged with a number of local environmental groups. They list Wirral Wildlife, Cheshire Wildlife Trust and the RSPB to appraise them of the scheme and to listen to their concerns and ensure that these are taken on board. Then they continue, the council are acutely aware that there is a strong local interest in these ambitious proposals and will ensure that local residents are kept informed about the project as it develops. So what are your thoughts on that, John, when you hear that? My initial thoughts are to laugh. The consultation process in the autumn of 2015 was very poor. They don't answer questions. What the people want to know and what they have charged the committee with finding out is what has led the council into making this proposal. Have they ignored the uh, needs of the people of Mells and Walton with the flood risk? Have they ignored 
what they already knew to be the case, that the land is internationally noted, they seem to have ignored all of that. But are they not doing it with the hope that this will improve the landscape in terms of a leisure place, particularly for the golf world? The golf resort will be privately owned. It's private land. All of the existing footpaths will either be uh, diverted or they will become very dangerous places to be. Everybody in the area likes the fields because they are fields. It's open countryside. When the golf resort is built, that countryside will be closed by high rough trees, high hedges. It will be lost forever. Just to look a little bit more into the situation regarding wildlife in the area where the proposed golf resort might be, I've come to meet Hilary Ash. And Hilary, I know you're a retired botanist now, but you had a part to play in the response to the initial planning proposal way back in 2007 and make that response from a wildlife point of view. So you wanted me to come to a particular place to get an idea of what's here. So where are we? Well, we're on the Hoy Lake Langfields behind West Kirby. This is the upper part of the Burkitt catchment and there is a flooded field which we sometimes call Gilroy Scrape just in front of us and there are a couple of thousand black-tailed godwits around it at the moment. When we get a bit further down you'll see them rather better. Shall we go then because I'm not terribly sure what a godwit is. What a terrible admission. <laughs> it's one of the group of wading birds which breed in Iceland, this particular race of the black-tailed godwit and then they travel down via this area to their wintering grounds, which are mostly further south. Some of them winter on the Dee estuary. On the way, they like somewhere to stop and molt out of their summer plumage into their winter plumage. And that's what they're doing here. And that's this particular flooded field scrape has become very popular with them over the last decade for precisely that. So you'll see them as a rather reddish bird at the moment. Am I looking across the, this far right-hand side of the lake yes. and it almost looks as though it's dry land, but actually, You've is that a, a mass of godwits? Yes, if we get about another 50 yards further down, you'll get a better view. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Are you watching the godwits? Oh, I am, yes. I'm down here most days. <laughs> There's such a mass of them. Is it possible to count them all? Uh, well, I've... There was about one and a half thousand when I arrived here about two hours ago. One and a half thousand? Yeah. Are, are you a regular bird watcher? Do you know each other? Hillary? Let me introduce Richard Smith, who is one of our very expert local bird watchers and bird counters, and who runs the Deestry Birding website. And in terms of a site, how important is it in the whole Godwit population? There's a, a, it's nationally important numbers here for several months a year, so it's probably about 5%, maybe even 10% sometimes, of the UK population. And they're quite calm, aren't they? Quite, quite calm. Well, it's one of the good things. You've got a public footpath along here, uh, but most of it's way well screened by the trees and, and hawthorns. They're up. And they're they up. up. And look at that. They flock together up into the air, and then as they move, they spread mm. out. We get the undercarriage, which is pale. They flick round. We get the darker tops with the black tips on the wing. <gasps> That is mass wildlife on the doorstep for people. This area, apart from the godwits, does, does have a, uh, other birds come in, redshank and curlew and lapwing. Lapwing breed around here. 
but on the wider resort area itself there's more wintering waders and wildfowl, so curlew, lapwing, redshank, oyster catcher, oh, shoveler. Oh. Then there's breeding birds, grey partridge, sedge warbler, grasshopper warbler. And they breed here because of the particular conditions of the landscape? Because we've got damp um, fields which aren't managed very heavily by the local farmers. And as usual, non-intensive farmland is a good place for wildlife. So, with all that in mind, Hilary, what Mm -hmm. impact might the building of a golf resort have, if any? This area with the scrape is just outside the resort area. But obviously, disturbance during construction, disturbance during use could be a problem. And even more of a problem would be if the drainage was altered and this shrank, because this water body's got noticeably bigger in the last 20 years, and it might, if it got smaller, there'd be less room for the birds. Because they probably will have to alter drainage within the golf resort. have to look at drainage, so hydrology is a big problem altogether. Apart from the birds, we're also dealing with water bowls, bats, barn owls, hares, plants, all sorts on this area. Now, in theory, a golf course could accommodate a lot of these things. If they treated the ditches properly and took time over it and put money into it, they could improve it for water bowls. It's going to be much harder to incorporate the wintering birds, but they could make some more damp fields a bit damper, a bit further down, and the birds would probably move (laughs) uh, if there was good habitat there, as long as they did it before they started work up this end. And they could accommodate a number of the other things, but it just depends whether they're going to put the money in and the effort in and design it to do it. Six of Wirral's golf courses are sites of biological importance for the wildlife on them. And I would say that now both the Greens Committee and the Greens Keepers are on the whole proud of their wildlife and do their best to, uh, within the constraints obviously of the golf, to maintain it. So what are your thoughts at this point um, about the proposal? At this point we are concerned and worried about the effects on wildlife but we are suspending final judgment until we see what the studies produce, what their exact proposals are, because at the moment all we have is an outline on a map, and what mitigation are they prepared to fund. I've been to the municipal course here in Hoylake. We've talked about the proposed new golf resort, but now I've come in a way I suppose you could call it almost the jewel in the crown of golf courses on the Wirral Peninsula and that is the Royal Liverpool Golf Club and I've come to meet the course manager Craig Gilholm and despite the blustery wind we're going to head out onto the course and um, we're going to do it in a buggy. So we have that space in which people are playing their, their golf on and I look to the far end of it and you can see the rim of the sand dunes and that would be right down to the shore then. That goes right into the shore. And when we've been looking at the proposal for the new golf resort, if it happens, um, environmental issues come up a great deal, particularly to do with wildlife. So look around this place here and tell me a little bit about its wildlife credentials. Yeah, well, you know, I think... It's an old comment that golf courses were bad for the environment. Yeah, maybe many years ago they were when, you know, there was a lot of guys uneducated, they were looking after these places. It was all about having it green and wet and rightly or wrongly to say maybe that American look, you know, that, that lovely, perfect Augusta-style golf course. We, we try our hardest, you know. We, we, we go from on the coast front there having an Atterjack Toad um, colony. We, we come onto the golf course and... We try our hardest to encourage as much animals and, and wildlife as possible from 
flower and fauna, which you, you know. There's some got, lovely purple blue harebells yeah, in the grass got, there. Yeah, a actually. lot of harebells at this time of year. You, you know, and there's years ago you would have said, right, spray the place, you know, kill, kill, kill uh -huh. everything off and, and make it grass because that's what people expect. And, you know, 10, I've been here 11 years now and first couple of years I was here, yes, we had the open coming the first year I was here and, and there was a lot of weed in the rough and, but, you know, even ecologists, agronomists, greenkeepers, golf clubs, you know, even from the EU, policies and things, everything's changed, you know, it has changed completely. Now you mentioned natterjack toads there, so that's an internationally protected species. Yeah, it is. And um, you're smiling when I talk about the toads. Yeah, well, the, to the toads, it's, um, we do have them, have seen them. Uh, when I first came down here, I was secretary at the time, says, well, we have some natterjack toads down here, they're protected, you know, you've got to be very careful when if you see them, but to be fair, we've only ever seen one in the last 10 years. Myself and, the, and one of the main contractors, we go for training on how to handle natterjack toads and any, any form of newts and, and, and frogs and toads. And, but so the build-up to the championship, it was very dry. There was, there was no, all the way through the, the build-up, there was no toads to be seen, or certainly no natterjack toads to be seen. So everything was all good. The build-up was going smoothly. Championship was just about to start, first day competition on the Thursday morning. Three, four in the morning, thunderstorm came through, five or six millimetres of rain fell. Following morning, the temperature was lovely and warm, it was like tropics. <laughs> the, the 11th green was covered, five o'clock in the morning, covered in baby natterjack toadlets. <laughs> so it was all hands to the pump, picking all these little toadlets up, putting them back in the, in, in the ponds or putting them back across that side where they belong. And, um, you know, it was great story. All, almost like... I can't believe it, the open's going to stop now because the green is covered. And when I say covered, we're talking, you could hardly see the grass for toads and oh, frogs and newts and everything had just came out to play that morning. So it took a good hour to kind of clean the whole place up, then get the green cut. And yeah, so we don't talk about that jack toads too often. And we're going to go and have a look at one <laughs> of those ponds. We're going to have a look ponds. at the ponds, yeah. And to do that, we'll have to cut across the actual course. So there was a couple of fairways. I was checking left and right. I didn't notice you doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but we're right out at the dunes, I think, now. Yep. Yep, this is the, the entrance to the. This is the public's entrance to the the, the dune structure. And, Shall we um, see what it's like? It's yep. pretty stormy. So yeah, there's there's one there, the fence top area down, down here. So we've, oh, we've, we've got two or three of these these ponds, these ponds that you see with the fence around it. Yeah, that's for, to protect them. That's that's to protect them. What what it is for a natterjack toad, they they need they need access to salt water. They need their ponds sort of washed with salt water now and again as well because they are pretty much saltwater creatures and again it helps it helps clean out the, the sort of freshwater toads and frogs who take over and, and destroy their habitat um, and then what happens in the winter time we, from these ponds we, we sort of cut grass up into the dune structure for them and that gives them a hibernation plot for the winter time you know we can only create it if any of them use it you know that that's we, we don't know okay so back into the buggy and back to the clubhouse do you know what I'd love to do? What's that? Well, hit a ball off the first tee. I've got jeans on. <laughs> I've just nipped back over to the municipal course here at Hoylake, where I first began, and I'm with Councillor Jerry Ellis. Can you assess, as a councillor, the feeling in the area about the proposal for the golf resort? Well, I can't find many people that support it, to be honest with you. Apart from some council officials and council leadership, there aren't many people supporting it. 
There aren't very many people opposing it either, but that's because they don't know about it. It raises so many key issues, though, doesn't it, for yeah. for all of us across all landscapes, yeah. because we're talking about building on Greenbelt and we're talking about building on a floodplain. Yeah, real big challenges, yeah. But let's hope that it, it goes ahead. We're in 2016 now. It'll take the whole of 2017 and probably into 18 to get the planning process through. So we're talking about five years, the very minimum before the first of the houses looks as we would be built and sold. And on a green belt. And on a green belt. <laughs> yes, I mean, I've been a councillor here for eight, 19 years and this is the biggest issue which I've had to deal with in my time and it's still here, it's still with us. And, you know, there's years of this to come so you'll have to keep coming back regularly to <laughs> see how we're getting on. <laughs> they end up taking up the sport. You may well, yeah. <laughs>